Well, welcome to the We Over Me podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Miller, joined by teammate CEO Des Moines Adams and our co-founder, Dr. Tom Osborne. In this podcast, we'll focus on teammate strengths-based approach to mentoring a team of leaders. And today, we're going to be talking about training. So thank you, guys. Thank you. So the first thing we're going to do, we're going to do a quick activity. I want you guys to think about real quick one thing you are proud of today, and it can be anything from you woke up the first time your alarm went off, uh, maybe you're proud of something you did over the weekend, uh, but I'll start so you guys have a chance to think. Uh, the one thing that I am proud of today is that I actually woke up at 5.15, I actually worked out this morning, and I didn't roll over and put my alarm for 6.30 and wait for my kids to wake me up. <laughs> so Des Moines, I'll go next to you. Yeah, I would say the same. Um, got a chance to get up, work out, come back home in enough time to where I help get the kids ready and I dropped them off at school. So I gave my wife a little break because I'm going to be out of town later this week. So I feel pretty proud that I was able to get things done for me and for the family. I love it. What about you, Tom? Well, I got here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I didn't get up and work out. I always work out later in the day. But I got things going with my wife, Nancy, and uh, made sure she was prepared for the day. And I got all my papers ready. Got a bunch of phone calls to make today. And so that's about it. Wasn't anything real dramatic. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love most about what we do at Teammates is make us really reflect on what we're proud of. Because a lot of what you know, we do as mentors, sometimes we don't always think of what made us proud or what did our men, what can, did we do with our mentee to make us proud that day? Um, so a lot of times we may feel down about ourselves, but I think that's a big part of what training is about. This is a constant, a constant idea that obstacles are new opportunities to learn. So I want to think of training as more of the athletic point of view at first. Tom, you brought in some of the best athletes in the country to come play here at Nebraska. What did training look like for those athletes when it came from a physical standpoint or maybe even from a education standpoint? Well, actually, the, uh, the season started in, in football in January, which sounds kind of strange, but that was when we uh, went into strength strength conditioning and that also involves cardiovascular conditioning and that evolved in the spring football and uh, of course there was partly uh, strength speed agility but also the mental aspect learning plays formations uh, reaction to certain situations and then summer we went back at the uh, weight room and again uh, cardiovascular stuff out in the stadium and then the season would start, and and of course uh, on, a, on a weekly basis on uh, Monday, basically you were starting to get ready for another team and uh, look at a scouting report, and then uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and a little bit on Friday uh, being practice, and uh, most of the practices were about two hours in length and uh, pretty rigorous, and uh, sometimes our players said that it was really the games were easier than practice, <laughs> which um, I guess was a little bit of an indictment of me. But on the other hand, I think they felt it served them well to, to have that kind of practice. So all those things uh, come together. And what we did, we never talked about winning. We just talked about the things that 
you had to do. Uh, and a, a, a good friend of mine was a guy named John Wooden, who was a basketball coach. And uh, he's probably the most successful basketball coach of all time. And I read a book one time where he said he never talked about winning. In the first practice, uh, he would show them how to put their socks on so they didn't get blisters <laughs> and how to bend their knees on a free throw and how to pass. And he said, if you did the right things often enough with the right intensity on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, you didn't have to talk about winning because uh, that took care of itself. And so that was kind of how we broke the game down. Carry the ball high and tight. So it doesn't get knocked loose. Keep your head up when you tackle uh, all the fundamentals and try to make sure we're doing the right thing often enough for the right intensity and hopefully be well prepared to, to play the game. That is a really interesting take. And I, I would have never thought I'm not somebody who ever was in sports. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I was a band kid. Um, but to me, even in band, it was all about winning. It wasn't so much about like those fundamentals and letting that do the work for you. And I think that's a really interesting approach. So is that kind of what you did with the guys as well on the team? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We had uh, um, 12 offensive goals. We had 10 defensive goals and seven kicking goals. And so what we did, we broke the, the game down. We we're trying to play with no turnovers. So you you never allowed somebody to carry the ball out here, flag it. You know, it was always up here. And defensively, you made sure you were going after the ball. You're tackling and pulling out. And uh, and so our goal would be to go no turnovers offensively and to get three on defense. And normally, if you go plus three turnovers, you don't lose very often. And and so uh, it's not a, in a sense, it's about winning, but we never talked about it. We talked about that. And then all the other things that you do, you know, in terms of the fundamentals. And uh, so the important thing was that when players went out on the field, they knew the steps, the things that need to be done that would, would lead to a, a peak performance. Somewhere out there was the perfect game. Uh, you're never going to hit that. But if, uh, if you were going to come as close as you could, what would it look like? And we mentioned all those little goals, and we went over those after every game. And sometimes we might win by 30 points. But if we didn't hit those goals, those guys came out of the meeting room with pretty long faces because they, they realized that was, was, was critical. I can definitely see your belief strength shining there as well as your responsibility because you're, you know, you never let those things slip. You always go back to them and always go back to them. I some I need that accountability sometimes where if I don't get something right the first time, I might be like, eh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'll try something else. But I really appreciate that in you because sometimes we all need that accountability buddy. <laughs> now, Des Moines, as an, as an athlete, yourself what did training look like for you as you were coming up through football uh, you know they say uh, practice makes perfect and so going back to <clears throat> Nebraska football's thing day by day getting better and better team that can't be beat won't be beat every day was game day every day was an opportunity to go out and be disciplined be dedicated be committed and when you're around others that have that same commitment, that drive, that motivation to simply get better, to hold each other accountable, 
Um, that's what made us remarkable on game days. Um, there will be moments where we may be doing our best or doing our worst. We would still give 100%. And we knew that we were playing not for ourselves, but for each other, for a bigger purpose. I mean, we will have, you know, let's just say the whole state of Nebraska is what, uh, a little bit over a million, two million. I mean, let's just say at least a million people cheering for the Huskers to win. Uh, but whether we win or lose, the training that we would go through helped us to stay focused on the fundamentals, X's, X's and O's, dotting our I's, crossing our T's, and just making sure that we're doing all of the right things the right way every single time. And coach would know if we didn't do it right, we run it over. We'll run it over until we don't get it wrong. That is so interesting because as somebody who works for you, that's how we work at teammates too, is that we're going to do what's right and we're going to do it the right way. And how, how have you seen your training through football, athletics, or even just in life transfer over to that? You know, expectations, a standard, um, what we've been doing for 32 years, uh, we're grateful that we have a model to follow. The national mentor elements of effective practice helps us to practice and to make it perfect in terms of what we do. Uh, making sure that our mentors are doing the right thing by being commitment, I'm sorry, by being committed and by simply to be there. Uh, whether their student is winning, losing, making good grades or not, the training that we provide them is simply to be unconditional, not prescriptive, but to be developmental, to show up every week to listen and to simply help a student to reach their full potential, which it may not be what we believe or what we want them to become, but we believe all students have potential and training them to have that commitment and to have pretty much the attitude of like the Huskers, day by day, getting better and better. Uh, that growth mindset helps our mentors, helps our mentees, and that's what helps our mission to positively impact the world by inspiring students to reach their full potential through mentoring. That's right. Uh, and I think that growth mindset is such a big key. You know, during my whole mentoring journey with my mentee, there have been times where I left and I said, you know, I probably could have been a better mentor today. <laughs> I didn't give up. I didn't just like not show up for her anymore. It's that that power of yet. Like when my mentee says I'm not good at math, I can throw it right back at her and say, you're not good at math yet, but you can be. And it's just teaching them that um, throughout the way. So when you think about how we train our mentors, um, Tom, what is something that's been really helpful for you as you've been mentoring your young students? Well, I think there's always the temptation to uh, to fix people and to uh, come up with a three-point plan or something. And uh, it doesn't work very well. And um, so the first thing is simply to listen and try to walk a mile in their shoes. And I, I noticed that in, in coaching. So often a player would, would not be very consistent in their performance. One, one day, pretty good. Next day, not so good. And... Uh, the temptation would be, well, I was just running up the stairs at 6.30 every morning until he <laughs> learns what he's supposed to do. Probably what was more effective was to sit down and, and say, what's going on in your life? 
soften or be some things that I had no idea. I remember one one guy I worked up at Creighton for a little bit, and this this guy was really inconsistent in his basketball. And the coach there, Dana Altman, said, I've tried everything you've taken. So I sat down and I said, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. And it turned out that his, uh, he'd been raised by his uh, grandmother. His grandmother had cancer, was dying. And uh, wasn't anything I could do about it, wasn't anything he could do about it. But it seemed that uh, just having somebody who understood and who uh, heard him out and and supported him and what he was doing and through the feelings he was having it seemed to make a difference in the last half of the season he was a very consistent player and um, so sometimes the best thing we can do really is just listen and then there will be those teachable moments where they'll say you know what do you think or what would you do in this situation and then Certainly you can, at that point, uh, voice an opinion. But um, I think the first thing you have to do is simply know you care and uh, and and learn that they can trust you. Uh, and sometimes with some kids, it's almost immediate. And with some, it may take several months before they've been around enough adults that have let them down. That they're, they're not very trusting. And uh, so you have to be pretty consistent with those kids. So... Each one's a little bit different. You need to play it by ear. That is so, I'm so glad you said that because I think a lot of time as humans, we want to just go ahead and fix something. If somebody's having a bad day, we want to fix it. I know for me, I have high restorative, which means I love to fix problems. And so for instance, I have a two and a four-year-old. <laughs> when they're crying, I immediately want to fix it, but I'm not really teaching them anything if I just fix it for them, which I have learned the hard way. Uh, so that is such a great piece of advice is just to sit and listen and coach them almost through if they even ask you for that advice. Sometimes they just need to talk about it. Des Moines, how have you seen um, growth mindset or training helpful for you as you've mentored? Now, I would say sometimes if I'm just playing checkers with my mentee, we may not be talking about life or school, but he appreciates me simply being there, showing up every single week, whether it's 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. <clears throat> Young people, they're looking for consistency. They have a parent or parents, they have a teacher, but have someone who is unconditional, someone who gives them, as they say, um, expressing that agape love, you know, not expecting anything in return. We we ask our mentors to give their time. So for me, simply to give my time and I'm not getting paid and for my mentee uh, to somewhat be shocked that I'm simply showing up simply because I want to, it definitely means something. You know, I've had about four mentees who have graduated and it wasn't until they were grown where they realized the impact of me mentoring them. You know, elementary, middle school, high school, they would never say thank you, but I would knew that they were appreciative. You know, I knew when they were maybe looking for me on that Wednesday and maybe I couldn't make it because the facilitator would say, you know, your mentee looks forward to seeing you next week. Um, so training definitely matters. That's why we made an investment 
with our training and support team. Uh, we have more trainers to provide that ongoing support along the way so that it's not just one and done, welcome to teammates. Here's all of our policies and procedures, but we want to support them along the way. We want that practice to be perfect so we can continue for 30 more years to make sure that our mentors have the confidence to simply be there, not to be tutors, not to be experts, but it's so much less pressure just to simply show up and just be there. That's so right. And I, lo I love that we're also taking this drip approach, as Allison Horn likes to call it, where instead <laughs> of just throwing all of these facts and things that you should do with your mentee as like a fire hose, that we are kind of doing a drip approach. So then it's easier for us to take in and learn because we all learn differently. Um, and I think that's just such a great way of saying it too, is that's why we do the three years, uh, you have to have a renewal background check, but also a renewal training. So then you know exactly how to help best serve your mentee. So as we finish up here today, I want us to do another quick uh, growth mindset activity. So I want you to think about maybe a challenge that you have to overcome in the next uh, couple days or so. For me, my challenge is going to be, um, I'm trying to get my kids to sit at the table with me for the entire duration of dinner. And I'm trying to get them to eat more than just chicken nuggets and carrot sticks. So that is my current challenge is trying to make something that's a little bit more of a family friendly meal with my four-year-old and two-year-old. It has been a real challenge for the last few months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you guys to think about a challenge you have. So Des Moines, I'll start with you. What's a challenge you're trying to overcome in the next day or so? So just thinking of my Gallup top 10 strengths, you know, um, I lead high with significance, achiever, futuristic. Uh, I'm a go-getter, mm -hmm. uh, but I really need to focus on my relator, focus on my individualization strength, because I can't expect everyone to be that way. As a nonprofit, there's work to be done every day, especially when it comes to fundraising, when it comes to writing grants. Um, we are a very humbled nonprofit, but we work really, really hard to um, make sure that our donors and our stakeholders, um, they see the results of our students graduating, staying in school, uh, less uh, trouble um, in terms of going to the principal's office. But really, I need to stretch my relator to understand that we all lead differently with our strengths. And I can't expect everyone to just always be on the go. Sometimes people need to think Let's say strategic is in their top five or top 10. Let's say deliberative or analytical. And I have to really honor and value their strengths and knowing that we're all still getting the job done, but we're getting it done in different ways. And so having that balance, having accountability buddies like yourself mm -hmm. will really help me to do that because at the end of the day, we're all one team and we're all striving with one mission toward one common goal. And that's to help students reach their full potential. And then there are other goals along the way, such as you know budget, fundraising, keeping our engagement high, um, just making sure that I continue to use my strengths, but honor other people's strengths and just find ways to relate. And really with that individualization leadership of tailoring how I may lead you may be different than someone else. 
that I see that in you a lot that you always try to do that, but I can definitely understand the challenge. Um, very much relating back to my challenge, parenting one of my children is going to be completely different than how I parent the other. One is very analytical. The other one is not. Mm -hmm. So it is very, it's very interesting to see those in action, not only at work, but also in real life as well. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, what about you? What's a challenge you need to overcome in the next few days? Well, I'm, uh, I'm planning a trip up to the Mayo Clinic. Deepak Gangar is going along. He's a chair of our teammates board and my wife. And uh, and so getting all that arranged, uh, transportation up, back, and uh, making various appointments is uh, something I've got to still bring together today. And I will, I will match her tomorrow, the day before I go. And so, um, you know, every every young person I've mentored, there are about seven of them, one of them for 13 years, <clears throat> and uh, they're all different. This one young guy I mentored for 13 years, uh, I started out with him, he was missing about uh, 20, 30 days a year of school, had a lot of issues in his family, just kind of doing what he wanted to do, and uh, had a lot of conversations about it, and finally decided to go to school, and did graduate, did pretty well in school, and then he went to Southeast Community College, took up welding, and uh, I thought that's probably what he would be doing. Then I lost track of him, and uh, finally got his number and talked to him here about a week ago. He said, well, the reason I didn't stay in touch with you was I, I didn't graduate from community college. And he said, I was kind of embarrassed, and I thought that would disappoint you. And, uh, I said, no, that, <laughs> that's not a problem. You uh, you learned a skill. And one thing we always try to do in teammates, make sure that our young people have a marketable skill, something which usually involves some advanced training beyond high school, whether it be trade school, community college, four-year college, whatever. And uh, he did that. He has a good job, living a good life. And so it was nice to reconnect with him. And uh, But... Uh, as I said, every one of them is very different. And so there's a lot of stories you can tell about it, but uh, try not to betray confidences, you know. But still, it's been, it's been an interesting journey. And I think most mentors will tell you that they're learning as much as their mentee. And uh, most of them will say that they feel that they benefit as much, if not more, than their mentee. And I, I've often puzzled about that because they're giving up their time and I think what they're really uh, trying to say, maybe not articulating it very well, is simply that whenever you serve somebody and do something for somebody who, on the surface, can't do anything for you in return, uh, then uh, it adds a dimension of purpose and meaning to your life. And, uh, and so much of our culture is about uh, receiving uh, getting and sometimes taking. And I think as a result, we've kind of lost our way as a culture because the greatest satisfaction that you get from life, generally speaking, is from serving and uh, contributing to other people. And um, that's what mentoring allows you to do. And every one of those mentees has uh, raised their hand and said, I would like a mentor. So these are not kids that are, uh, the mentors forced upon them. 
And so they, they have a need in their life now. Some of them come from very difficult family situations. And some of them come from two parents and relative affluence. And you think everything's hitting on all cylinders. But you realize now that you can work probably 24 hours a day on the Internet. People are busy. And sometimes parents and kids are like two ships passing in the night. And... Uh, for whatever reason, these kids feel that they need another caring adult in their life. And that's why they've asked for a mentor. And uh, the current young guy I'm mentoring right now uh, put his name in four years ago. And uh, he waited four years for a mentor. So it makes you it makes you feel bad when you realize there's so many kids like that out there that, that uh, feel they need somebody and there's nobody there. And uh, so I'm glad we finally did connect. Oh, that is so sweet. And I heard so many amazing tidbits out of that. But one of my favorite parts is I appreciate you for telling that story about your mentee um, who went through that welding program, because I think a lot of time, a lot of times people think success in mentoring means your mentee graduates from college or that your mentee um, does a certain thing. When really a lot of the time success is based on well-being, is that mentee really feeling like that they have made a difference in the world or do you feel like you've made a difference in their life, even if it's just been showing up? And I think that's such an important thing to share is that success doesn't look like just one thing. Mm -hmm. Success can mean a lot of different things. Um, so as we as we close out today, I want you to take Tom's beautiful wisdom at the end of that. And remember that during the month of March, we are really asking folks to nominate somebody to become a mentor. As Tom said, his mentee waited for four years for a mentor. And there are so many other kids like that. So think about somebody in your life who would make a great mentor. Think about somebody who would be just a perfect person just to show up and simply be there and nominate them by going to teammates.org, hovering over mentoring and click nominate a mentor. Well, thank you for joining us today, guys. And thank you for all of you watching or listening. Be sure to check out the video version of this podcast on Teammates Online Magazine, the Do Good News at dogoodnews.teammates.org. And check out our social media for our mini episodes where we take a deeper look into the Clifton Strengths domain. From all of us here at Teammates, thanks for being there. Do you want us to turn off the lights and use the ring light like we did last time? Sure. Okay. Well, you'd go ahead and turn that out so we're not in total darkness. <laughs> Alrighty. That's quite a deal. <laughs> we got fancy, Tom. <laughs> sure did. Yeah.